I was going to do a name drop then, but I decided not to. Welcome to Thinking Deeply by Primary Education, the podcast that gives you a peek inside the minds of some truly inspirational teachers. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Shannon Doherty. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Yes, doing well as well. Are you enjoying your summer? Very much so, although it's nearly over. Normally, we start with our guests in numbers and a bit of background, but obviously you took part in that in season one, episode seven, all mm. those months and years ago. So if anyone's interested in your backstory, your origin story, I reckon that's where they go. Absolutely. The last time we spoke, which I think was around about November 2021, if you can believe it, you outlined your plan for establishing walkthroughs across your trust. Mm. How has that gone over the last, what, 18 or so months? It's gone well. It's going well. Uh, So for anyone who, for whatever reason, hasn't listened to that episode, I can give you a a brief rundown of what what I said. So we have we have eleven schools, nine primary, two secondary, nine Church of England, two community, nine in Bromley, two in Rye, and I am the teacher development lead for all eleven schools um, across the trust. And so uh, initially we put in place a teacher development lead in every school, so that um, we had like a team who were kind of driving. Uh, professional development and implementing walkthroughs that's gone really well uh, that team uh, a couple of you know people have changed roles one of them's gone on to be a head teacher at one of our schools so we've had a couple of um, changes in the team but it's a really strong team they're really enthusiastic which helps me we had uh, Tom Sherrington come and do a, a keynote at one of our trust conferences and that kind of enthused everyone quite a lot despite the fact that I'd been talking about it for a long time uh, you know it helps to have that external person, particularly someone um, who wrote the book on the stuff that we're implementing. So uh, thinking about how it's gone. So year one, we were sort of just thinking about um, every school choosing walkthroughs that they could work on as a whole staff and and exploring the materials that way rather than jumping into people having like their individual walkthroughs or choosing their own paths. We thought go through it as a team first address problems that are common across the school that went really well Uh, so every primary school chose like two or three walkthroughs to work on the secondaries work slightly differently obviously they've got departments and one of them has uh, a lot more staff than we do in our primaries so they had like departmental walkthroughs um, and they kind of worked on whole school focuses as well interesting like uh, in our primary schools a lot of them focused on deliberate vocabulary development which I guess um, might probably be a surprise to anyone who's a primary teacher because we saw language plummet after COVID. And actually, I made a joke the other day when we were at um, Research at Dusseldorf about saying, how long, how long can I stay after COVID for until it, it no longer becomes relevant? But I think I just can for now. So the first year was just exploring, implementing, getting people used to it. And that went really well. Uh, feedback was really positive people kind of could see the direction that we were moving in, um, which was all I really wanted from the first year. Year two, I kind of wanted to push coaching a bit more. You know, the the front of the the walkthroughs book say they are like five-step guides for instructional coaching. 
we had a lot of people ask what instructional coaching was. Uh, so we kind of trained some people up a bit. We had Josh Goodrich come in from Step Lab. He trained up our teacher development leads uh, to be coaches so they could then pilot coaching in their schools. And then we kind of wanted schools to take the reins a bit more. So I, they said to me, oh, well, do, we, do we choose three again this year? And I said, well, just choose what you want, work on it however you want, because it's it's your school. No, it shouldn't be the me coming in and pushing it or shaping it. It should be the people in the school. So we had a, a nice range of approaches. Uh, we had one school just said, look, we're just going to consolidate the ones that we've worked on and make sure they're fully embedded, which I completely encouraged. We had uh, a couple of schools choose one of the walkthroughs areas. So one one school chose explaining and modelling, one, cho one chose uh, retrieval and practice, and then their staff chose individual walkthroughs from those areas, which worked quite nicely. One school went uh, wild and they just all chose individual walkthroughs from throughout the three books. Probably that was the hardest one to keep track of and manage. But I think it probably had the most buy-in from the staff because it really was coming from them. So I think, you know, it's going well. We've obviously, you know, uh, made some tweaks and changed things along the way. I'm going slower than I thought I would have to go. Um, but I guess that's not a surprise. I probably was too ambitious with my initial plan. But ultimately, I think uh, the the kind of message of solving the learning problems that are there in the schools or in the classes is the thing that's coming out the most um you know it's not about picking something that you've seen on twitter or facebook it's about looking at what your cohort needs what your school needs and finding a technique or something to work on to mitigate those areas and i think that's the thing that i'm i think is going the best at the moment because people are looking at the needs in their school and they're choosing what to work on in, with three walkthroughs with that rather than just going, oh, cold calling looks nice, or, oh, let's do this, because I've seen someone talk about it at a conference. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's going well. There's obviously areas to improve, but I'm I'm really happy with what we're doing so far. Nice. I mean, when you walk around your classes, trying to get a feel for how things are going, does it feel mm -hmm. like teachers are being more deliberate in their practice? Do you see those individual walkthroughs coming through? Yeah, I think I think you do. Uh, so I've been really fortunate where when I started this role, I was out uh, a morning a week for it, which is not a lot of time. Um, and I'm saying it to someone once. I was going to do a name drop then, but I decided not to. Uh, but I remember saying it to someone once and said, like, you know, I've got a morning a week. And they said, for how many schools? And I said, 11. And they're like, that's impossible. I said, in the first year where we were just kind of testing it out and exploring, it was okay. Now I have half a week, so I have a, a 0.5 teaching contract in one of our schools and a 0.5 trust contract, which makes it much more manageable. So now I get to go around to the schools much more than I used to. And in some schools, I've been there sort of every two weeks in on a Wednesday morning. In other schools, I've gone in a couple of times a half term. Uh, and I, I get to know the, what the teachers are working on, what the schools are working on, and I see it coming out. Um, and I can still see, I can see the 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 work that went into like the deliberate vocabulary development work from last year, I can see that still happening in classes and up on walls. And I can see people using that technique, even though it's not something they're kind of consciously working on, it's still there embedded in their practice, which I guess is what you want to see. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people working on explaining and modeling walkthroughs. 
And when I walk around and I have a wonder, I can see them putting that into practice. You know, uh, I think the, the the obvious one for me, like the live modeling walkthrough, one of the steps is like um, sharing your, your messy thinking or narrating your messy thinking and making sure your thought process is really clear. And you can see teachers doing that really well. It's just nice to see that it is having an impact. And when you talk to the staff, they they say that they're enjoying working on them um, and that they've enjoyed picking them. So the the impact is there. I think it will just grow. It's it's never going to be fully perfect, but I, I can see it working. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that must be great. It must be good to walk around and see those things because you can see like tangible, you know, this is going to hopefully make a difference. I mean, you mentioned Step Lab and since Lloyd and Adam went to the, I think it was the Step Lab launch, a while ago, mm. more and more about it. And lots of the research ed speakers were talking about how they were using it in their school. Were walkthroughs and step lab compatible with each other? Because I know that instructional coaching has its own subdivisions in terms of how mm -hmm. we should implement instructional coaching. You know, what's the relationship like there? Yeah, so um, I think for a couple of years, people were sort of saying, oh, we have walkthroughs, we have a subscription to walkthroughs, and we're using step lab. Step lab had their own um, action steps, their own... Uh, ways of navigating that platform but they're actually um joining forces now and so now you can have a a, a joint subscription where you can access the walkthrough steps and the walkthrough materials on step lab so i think that makes life a lot easier um but they're definitely compatible if that's the way that schools want to go we have looked at it as a trust um and it's just about you know it, i guess it's where you spend your money isn't it at the moment and um, it's not something we're going to do now because we're implementing something new for next year that really needs our focus. But we have said, actually, it might be something to look at in a year's time and see, you know, once other schools have done it for a year, see how they've gone. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything's clear, it's a coaching's a massive time investment as well. You know, listening to Lloyd talk about how much he, the lengths he goes to. So, yeah, so I think mm -hmm. you're just right to be prudent on that decision making. Um, but it's good to hear there because you've got some really big thinkers across both those groups and the fact that they're compatible with each other is really really positive i think sounds like things appear to be going really really well what do you think is the secret to your success that's funny i was looking at how how am i going to talk about my success without cringing massively um but i, I think i think it's the team i'm fortunate to work with like i said excellent teacher development leads who are equally interested in and enthusiastic about professional development and that really helps um and my team at the trust you know are more than happy for me to talk their ears off about school improvement and professional development um my line manager i think has really uh, boosted my confidence and actually you know given me the room to to grow as a leader and kind of try things out she is our director of training development laura and often we have uh like conversations on our stairs up to our office uh, if you can imagine like romeo and juliet i'm usually sort of at the top and she's down the bottom and, and for some reason that seems to be where we uh find success because we we sh shoot ideas around and then somehow we get our best thinking from that so i think the team has been the the best bit and obviously the the teachers that we have in our schools trusting me and running with it and then also um just having a plan you know at the start of it i set out a three-year plan obviously we've been flexible with that we've changed some things around but we needed a clear direction it wasn't we're not doing this right we'll, we'll plan a year and then see how we are we'll plan another year 
I had a, a three-year plan. We have moved things around, but we knew that there was an end point that we, or a, a review point after three years. Um, because otherwise, I don't think, you know, you're not going to get people doing it if you haven't shared that, um, that, that goal with them. So we had to say to leaders and teachers, look, this is our plan. This is, this is what we're aiming for. I, I kind of shaped it with our teacher development leads. And um, it just meant that we had a better handle on the situation. Yes, we've been flexible. Yes, we've had to respond to some things. Um, but it means that we, we all know the, the end point rather than people just kind of cracking on blindly. Yeah. I mean, if you take maths lessons as an example, if mm. you're only planning tomorrow's lesson, Three days from now, the, the sequence isn't going to be as rich as if you start from where I want to be or where mm -hmm. I want my pupils to be. So, you know, it, it makes total sense that that's how we should behave as adults with uh, with school development as well. You know, it was refreshing to hear Stuart Kime talking about that at, uh, at, at Deutschland, you know, when he was talking about his evidence-based education approach. And it's like, yeah, this is, uh, he's, he's speaking my language and you are too right now. Have there been any instances when you've realized that a change you made or a direction you had taken wasn't working? And if so, what did you do about it? How long have we got? Uh, no, I, there's, there's obviously some that spring to mind. I think my first one was trying to start coaching too soon. So I was really enthusiastic about instructional coaching. I knew that that's the direction that I wanted us to go in. And when I met with our trusted team before I started the, the role and we talked about implementing walkthroughs, I made it very clear that this is where we're going with it. We're, we're using this as a, a toolkit for instructional coaching. And I just wanted to do it and get it started in our schools. Um, but there was a lot of groundwork to lay before that was possible. And I think we probably did go slightly too fast with the coaching. Um, so we have kind of pulled in the reins a little bit. We needed a better foundation of like what good teaching was uh, and what we valued as, uh, as, as a trust. So we wrote some core teaching principles to sort of nail our colours to the mast and say, this is what we believe in. This is what we're about as a trust. And I think that has helped with that kind of shared understanding, that common ground. And now we can build up from that with our coaching. Through writing those, we then went round to schools and delivered training or worked with people on the principles so that they understood what they meant. I collated kind of research that links to all of them so that people had somewhere to go. And now that we've got that and we all kind of understand what those are, I do think that the the coaching is, an, is a logical next step. So I definitely ran before I could walk with the coaching. I was just very excited. Uh, and luckily, like, we were just piloting it on a very small scale. So it's not like I um, it, I didn't ruin coaching for everyone luckily and it was our teacher development leads who were the ones doing the coaching and they could feedback to me that they just didn't think we were quite ready which was fair enough you I think we just had to be honest and have open conversations about when things weren't quite working I think the easiest thing to do is to try and like hide from it and pretend it's not happening and then just crack on but we all just sat around the table and said this isn't right let's let's put that to one side or let's put this in place while you're doing that and then another one that comes to mind is how we were linking it with appraisal and performance management. So we were all about this shift in our culture towards growth and development away from it being kind of accountability heavy. Uh, you know, I spoke to trustees about it. I spoke to leaders about it. 
uh, I spoke about it at one of our trust inset days. Um, but the the system that we had in place for a performance management and appraisal just didn't fit with the the new culture that we were trying to aim for. And I, I think we tried to make it fit. So we had a couple of schools tried to link walkthroughs to appraisal targets or commitment or engagement with walkthroughs to appraisal targets. But it still just wasn't right. Uh, the two just didn't sit together. And then we had uh, a new HR director uh, come in and we found ourselves fortunately in a, a like a Church of England map project with Chris Moyes. So we could change our appraisal system. So that meant that we could, we're now moving away from performance related pay. So staff will progress through the pay scales regardless, as long as they're meeting the standards of their job and their job description. Obviously, if they're not, then that's a, a different issue. And if you know, if you want to move from the main pay scale to upper pay scale, then you obviously have to go through a process. But generally, staff will just progress, which um, I think is a popular move. We're also moving away from uh, using Blue Sky as our platform for appraisal because it just didn't fit with our new culture, like I said. And we're moving away from having three targets because it's just felt a bit accountability heavy and probably wasn't the most effective way of doing it. So now we're uh, moving to like a perform a professional growth goal for the year. Uh, some people might have two, but the, the aim is for people to have one professional growth goal that they work on for the whole year. Uh, so I, I guess we, we recognized it wasn't working and we just found a solution and a direction to go in. Um, and we were fortunate that that Church of England project was happening at the right time. Nice. I mean, that, that accountability you've taken, you know, as leaders, and, you know, you're not putting your head in the sand. Something's not right. Let's fix it. I mean, that, mm. that's, that's essential because you're trying to make meaningful change to people's behaviors and habits. And you're not going to do that if you give it a superficial light touch, I think. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, it's, it's easy to bury your head in the sand and just go, oh, we're just going to keep going forward with it. We're just going to push on and, and you know, it might click eventually. But we, yeah, we, we knew that certain things weren't working. And I, with any kind of implementation, you have to be ready to um, tweak things, change direction, evaluate as you go. Like, I mean, it's all just, it's, it's just like teaching, is it like you likened the, the end goal planning to what we did with our, our plan. All of that, you're just assessing it as you go and making decisions. That's what we do as effective teachers. So it's, it's amazing how much it mirrors what we do on a, a leadership level yeah big time i mean i recently spoke to ben ebden on the podcast about his career change from the city to teaching mm. like after 25 years and in, in his previous sim profession and he said the biggest challenge was the self-imposed one it was trying to do too much too soon and it's, it's amazing mm -hmm. that even much further into your career the same thing is there and only it's in a leadership capacity as opposed to an individual capacity so yeah I, I said them at the time I, I, I think everyone suffers from that all the time certainly those of us who find education to be a worthwhile hobby as well as a job and so yes I mean a really really interesting parallels there yeah and I think um we're probably really good at dishing out advice and saying oh you know don't bite off more than you can chew and go slowly but when it comes to ourselves we just want to like go 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 and get it done because like you said it, it's a hobby for us it's exciting we're interested in it and we want to see it at that end place 
but you know, we need to take our own advice and, and slow down. Otherwise you're not going to get there. Change at scale, you know, any scale is difficult, let alone across so many schools. And it's difficult to get everyone moving in the same direction. How do you ensure buy-in from everyone? Because it certainly feels like you've done some things that have taken more people than might typically be the case. This has been hard at times and uh, like quite frustrating at times where I feel like, you know, why doesn't everyone just get what I'm saying? Um, I think we'll probably all feel that at some point when we're introducing something new. And I'll be honest, I think with the the leaders, I think I probably went in the wrong direction with them. I think I should have got more buy-in from them before we started with the teachers and should have got them all on board uh, rather than like the kind of grassroots revolution that I think I envisaged. We really need to get the leaders one because they're the ones pushing it in schools and they're the ones who will help get the buy-in from teachers. But luckily, um, we have got quite a lot of buy-in from our staff. And again, a lot of it comes from being honest with people and saying like, any change is effortful and it's going to feel like work. When I spoke to our board of trustees about the new appraisal system, which we're not calling appraisal anymore, it's flourishing people cycle. When, when I spoke to them about it, someone said, or, you know, how is this impacting workload for teachers? Which was a valid question because any implementation, any change, like I said, feels effortful until its habit and until it's part and parcel of your daily practice so I think I, I said to teacher development leads initially and they passed the message on this will feel like something additional right now because it's something new but you just kind of need to trust that it's going to feel better so I think the honesty approach worked really well but showing them the benefit of it uh, you know our teacher development needs were on board very early so they could kind of sway people in their schools and show them that you know, we want to be effective teachers. We know effective teaching matters. There's a wealth of research about how effective teaching matters. So we should want to be the most effective teacher we can be. And I think, again, just having that frank conversation of saying, look, we're all in this job to teach children and make sure they learn. We should be as effective as we can with that. If you don't want to improve at that, then you're probably in the wrong job. So saying this means that you can take the reins and be in charge of your professional development rather than rocking up to a staff meeting every week that maybe you're not as interested in or maybe you don't feel as relevant. I'm sure we've all sat in staff meetings and gone, why are we doing this? This isn't solving a problem that we've got. So kind of go, look, the proof's in the pudding, just kind of get on the train with me and you will see when we get there. Part of it is because I'm still in the classroom. So I say it all the time, like, I know that I will lose credibility when I send when I try and give these messages if I step out of the classroom full time. I'm in it part time now. I have an excellent job share who, you know, helps me stay sane on both sides of my week because she knows that I have a lot on, but she also keeps me informed of what's going on at school. But if I weren't in the classroom and I was just going, right, you're going to do this and this and it's totally manageable because, you know, it must be you do lose credibility and that's not to criticize leaders who aren't in the classroom obviously some people don't have the capacity to still teach um although I do think that all school leaders should still have a regular teaching commitment I can say look the thing that I'm working on at the moment is this you know in my classroom like last year 
I got a, I inherited a class who were a very able group, like as a whole, probably the most able class that I've ever taught. But you did have some children who wouldn't participate and wouldn't think. You'd ask a question, it's that classic, you know, the same old hands go up. And even though, you know, I just assume that everyone in that room would be willing to answer because they can do it. They weren't all willing to answer. So I had to uh, use some like classic walkthroughs, like cold calling and think per share and making sure there was as much participation as possible. Um, but I was very honest with you when shared that that's something that I have to work on at the moment because that is a problem in my classroom. So I think that helps. And like I said, like I shared research with people as much as I could. Not everyone is a super nerd and wants to read all the research. Uh, but I think even just saying, look, it's here. They go, right, OK, so there's evidence to show that this works. And then that makes people kind of jump on board as well. And then there were some people who wanted to follow up research and I've had emails from people in different schools and leaders kind of asking for podcasts or uh, kind of where research might be distilled for them because they don't have time to read an entire paper and so yeah I think we we have got a fair amount of buy-in there are some people who probably aren't on board still I think you're always going to have people who aren't on board some will just wait and see what happens before they um kind of join in some people probably just don't want to because that's the kind of person they are they're the people with those entrenched habits that say this is the way I've always done it and it's been fine um but eventually they'll get on board because it's the direction we're traveling in and we've been quite honest about that as well and said look this is where we're going as a trust it's not a, a new five minute initiative it's not a flash in the pan this is a direction we're traveling in it's a shift in culture so like get ready and we know that um some of our staff have come from schools where they've got quite a lot of um, baggage of, there's one that I can think of, of a, a trust that I obviously will not name, but where their CEO walks into classrooms and says, I don't like that, take that down, about displays, or, you know, is, is quite uh, rude about what he sees in classrooms with teachers in there or uh, just on, like, on the walls. and they, they feel a lot of pressure and they feel a lot of um, they've got that accountability kind of hanging over them. Whereas we're saying, look, that's not what we're about. We're about your growth. Yeah. Sometimes there's going to be difficult conversations because sometimes we have to have those and we have to push things on, but it's all because we want to make you a more effective teacher because effective teaching matters because our children need to learn as much as they can. So I, I think people get it because of the message is the same again and again. Yeah, I th I think I mean from the signs of it, in three four years time, the vast majority, if not everybody, will be on board or will have moved on because there mm. is not for them. But I mean, if you compare that, you know, what sounds like it could potentially be quite toxic leadership style. You know, I'm not saying anything that you described was toxic per se, but it alludes to the possibility. And then the system you've set up, where people are being supported and given time. It's night and day, you know, so I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to to work in that. And I think your example of things going wrong in your own class is massive, you know, because no lesson's perfect, you know, mm. well, even if you've been 30, 40 years, you're still going to make mistakes. You're going to forget things because you're making so many decisions every day. So I think it, it really is really powerful. And I think it's a lot more common these days for people, you know, assistant head teachers, deputy head teachers in particular to be in the classroom because normally they're the, the teachers and the leaders who are given the message about pedagogy 
you know, mm-hmm. I think I see head teacher turning into this administration role in mm. quite a bit, you know, I don't know, maybe I was, I don't know, probably was already happening before the pandemic, but certainly there seems to be more and more administration to do. But I know that some heads do try to get out there and uh, at least cover a couple of classes. No, Lucy does at Lloyd School, doesn't she? She covers one of the year six classes. Yeah, and um, my head teacher Sophie, she covers year two PPA every week. So there's an afternoon a week that she is teaching, and um, that oh, it definitely helps. And our, our deputy head teacher is—he's in year five half the week, so he teaches as well. And yeah, to for them to say, look we're also working on this when we're in the classroom definitely does make a difference um but you're right I think the uh, the the people who are at that kind of assistant deputy head level are often the ones pushing the pedagogy pushing um curriculum stuff and quite often they are in class like uh when Neil was the deputy head at his school last year he was in class for most of the week uh in year six because that's what was needed if they're not a class teacher or a job share of a class, they need to be covering some PPA and they need to be willing to also implement these things that other people are implementing as well because everyone's got something to work on. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, Neil is the infamous deputy head of South London. So <laughs> the fact that he's only teaching in one class is a bit disappointing because he should really should try and get as many of those classes as possible. Yeah, he, he should be taking on uh, all of the, those boroughs in South London and like beyond, really. I don't know why it's lacking. For all of you, Kofi, Kofi, Kofufu, however you pronounce it, you damn lovely supporters. It's a song going out to you, to you. Stephanie Taylor, Mrs. B. Satea, Adam, Katie, Liv, Dempsey, Becca, Jenford, Susie, Brown, and Sio, Nechio, Rachel, I am out, Jessica, Tom, Oakley, Tom, Brassington, Jessica, Tom, Oakley, Tom, Brassington, LJ, and last but not least, my lovely little Amy Bills, oh, they help us pay the bills, oh. A massive thank you out to Dabby family. Coffee supporters help us keeping it at free. There's far more content coming just round the bend. Thank you all for helping our very special friends. Friends. Very special friends. How have you maintained your own professional development at the same time as supporting so many others? This one, um, I know that I have had a lot of professional development this year, but it's hard to think about necessarily where that comes from. One obvious one is that I was doing my MPQSL, um, which I started in my last school, which was another school in our trust. I just continued it when I moved to this school. I was doing it with ambition. So that was helpful because that was like a weekly or fortnightly kind of nugget of uh, CPD that was very high quality, kept my kind of brain ticking along, kept me thinking. Uh, and learning so that was an obvious one I think where I have been like 0.5 in the trust this year 
and it feels a bit like uh bad to say it that I've you know I've been able to read as part of my job <laughs> and uh it like it did take my my uh line manager Laura to say to me like no you are you are allowed to do the reading in your work hours because that is part of your job part of your job is reading the research and distilling it for people and and, and sharing it with our our staff and like reading the books so I've been quite fortunate that you know I've been able to on a Tuesday afternoon sit and read uh, a book or a research paper or watch a webinar or listen to an episode of thinking deeply about primary education because it's relevant to my role um it's been a bit of a game changer for me because it means it has freed up my evenings a bit it's just a shame that um it's just a shame that there isn't that time for everyone. I think I've said before, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or I've just said it um, on Twitter, but if I were in charge of the world of education, like every teacher would get an hour of professional reading time a week because it's important to, to ring fence that, I think. Anyway, I, I'll get off of my um, soapbox. Uh, I've also been uh, facilitating and coaching on the MPQ leading teaching with the Church of England. So even though I've been the one facilitating it and doing the coaching sessions, I you know I feel like I'm still learning quite a lot while doing that. I'm learning about delivering those materials. I'm learning about that course, um, you know, more in depth than I know about the other MPQs. So that's been quite a nice um, bit of additional PD for me that I'm going to continue uh this year and then obviously I mentioned earlier on that I was part of that project with Chris Moyes and the Church of England and that involved uh I think it was three face-to-face -face days and some online sessions and learning from him has been really uh so I just it's he's opened my mind to things that I thought I'd like made my mind up about uh because he he he's very much a no-nonsense man um I'm sure that comes across on Twitter sometimes he's very direct with his opinions but when I've said to him well, what do you think about this he he's really honest with me and he's delivered things on the like the the growing great teachers kind of appraisal process that he's he's implemented in his old trust and which has kind of shaped the one that we're doing um at Aquinas but he's also given us uh sessions on things like giving feedback or receiving feedback uh like self-evaluation um it's like using um the standards of people's jobs so that's something that we've brought into our new system using the like the teacher standards and we've got leadership ta standards as well that we're using so that's been an excellent source of professional development for me this year and then uh, obviously I can't forget about the, the CPD that I source outside of the, the working week. You know, we've gone to, I think we've done something like seven research heads this year or last year and two maths comps, I think. I don't think we did all of them, but that sort of stuff I think is invaluable because I really am in charge of it then. So when we went to the one in, Düsseldorf I went and saw Tom Brackington's excellent uh, geography session which if it were in my working week I probably wouldn't do if well, my trust side of my working week I probably wouldn't get to do because it's not directly related 
but in my teaching side of the week I'm our curriculum lead in the school so it was perfect for me to go and see that obviously I'm all for schools providing teachers with personalized and high quality PD but there is also excellent stuff outside of it as well I think I could probably do better at prioritizing my professional development I think I think when I talk about um there's that uh, evaluation of CPD providers that says like barely one percent of uh, training is effective in improving classroom practice that I quote when I do like a walkthroughs training or um, the talk I was doing at Research Eds last year. And one of the reasons that people, you know, that that transfer isn't made is because we are time poor and we prioritise things like the children or maybe organisational things, admin things before our own professional development. And I'm probably very guilty of that where I probably don't prioritise my PD as much as I should do because I'm like, oh, but I want to prioritise everyone else's. But probably a bit of a goal for me for next year is to make sure that I I still get what I need as a as a leader. I mean, it sounds like you've done tons. I mean, doing an MPQ is no mean feat. Mm. Um, and particularly when the assessment is secondary-based, you know, that's going to take some <laughs> serious thinking time to yeah. uh, get your head around yeah so i mean i think you've got a really healthy approach to your own development and also the reflection you do as you go through these experiences for the first or second time mm. that's that's a, that's massive for your learning because then you start to make a mental model of how you'll behave in future and then that saves you time down the line so yeah, yeah i mean mm. i think if you compare it to lots of people cpd i think uh, i think you're doing well um, and obviously reaping the rewards as a as a result yeah, I hope so. I probably am. I'm I'm often just hard on myself, thinking I could do more and do better. So maybe I have done enough this year. Now, you spend quite a bit of time, I don't know, maybe a bit of time, not quite a bit of time, oh. support, supporting schools outside your trust as a walkthroughs mentor. Is that the official title? Yeah, trainer, mentor. The, I guess that it changes depending on what they need from me. What's this like? And would you recommend it to other leaders with a similar interest in coaching? Because it feels like a, a nice next step where you get to still be mm. in the class, but you still get to do that sort of school to school support. Yeah, this role has been um, so, so good to be able to do this year. I, um, I've been fortunate in that I've been into, I haven't counted, but quite a few schools, a couple of trusts um to support them with a, a range of things to do with walkthroughs so I uh I've been to two trust conferences and delivered workshops through walkthroughs I've gone to um secondary schools independent schools primary schools all throughs uh to do like help them implement walkthroughs as a as a toolkit for PD I've met with leaders about how they can implement it I zoomed a trust to talk to them about how uh, how we've implemented walkthroughs trustwide, um, it's it, it's been invaluable because it's it's given me something to keep me quite interested. Because you're right, like um, still in the classroom, still based in schools, but being able to do a bit of that um, kind of not consultancy, but like consultancy light, I guess, where I'm training and I'm supporting and empowering people. It's been um, very rewarding and I'm learning so much while I do it I like I and I get to see the staff get quite excited my 
my like my earliest I was say my earliest memory of walkthroughs uh so at the start of last academic year I did three um three sessions at school, some schools inset days so I did what I did like a a half day for three schools in Gravesend and I did a like a 90 minute session for um Adam Woodward's old school in Seven Oaks and I did a full day at Putney High School which is an independent um girls day school and like that was very full-on because it was right at the start of the academic year and it, they were my first ones but those three like I've been in touch with those people since and seen how it's going uh, particularly Putney High like I've had an email from the head teacher a couple of times to say you know this is got this is what we're doing this is what we're up to does that sound okay will you come back and visit and actually like those staff um I mean we spent a full day together which is really intense but by the end of the day they were so enthusiastic and they said to me themselves like they felt really empowered to now take professional development into their own hands and find those learning problems and and solve them it's so it's so rewarding and it feels a bit like um like selfish because I'm like putting my joy first when I talk about it obviously the best bit is that like teachers are, are becoming more effective and children are learning more and better but I really do get some enjoyment out of it so I think if you are someone who is interested in coaching quite like au fait with walkthroughs then I would 100% recommend getting on board if they run that train the trainer course again and I really hope they do then I would definitely encourage people to apply because it was it was a I can't remember how many days it was three or four full days in Harringay with Tom Sherrington and Ollie Cav and Fran from Harringay Education Partnership and they were just there was so much learning about how to be a trainer how to deliver PD but also about the walkthroughs themselves and um, I think if someone is looking for a next step that's a really nice one and I know that a couple of years ago when I was um, when I'd been a maths lead for a couple of years and I had uh, schools contact me and say oh could you come and like deliver this training session I remember thinking oh gosh I'm not sure if that I don't know if I can I can do it in my school and it's the same thing with this you've got knowledge in there and there'll be people out there who are more knowledgeable about coaching and about walkthroughs I'm sure than me so 100% like get on board uh I know that they've just put together a consultancy team they're going to be doing lots of exciting work um but if they do if they do run that course again then I, I would definitely recommend it just bug Tom Sherrington on Twitter and say like when can I when can I be trained as a trainer uh, because it, it was excellent CPD and like I'm gaining so many connections from it uh even just recently I was at a trust conference in Leicester and it was a day out of what was my summer holiday but it was a day of like training uh teachers and walkthroughs and coaching I just think you can't beat that stuff and if you're interested in it then it won't feel like a a day of work it'll feel like a lot of fun yeah you're working extremely hard it's not selfish mm. to enjoy that so uh yeah don't feel any guilt whatsoever, you know, because obviously those fantastic byproducts of your work are nice, but you're more likely to continue working hard if you enjoy the work that you do. It's nice. I mean, yeah, when can you pester Tom Sheridan? Possibly after the Research Ed National Conference? Yeah. Grab, grab him then, see, you know, say any openings? 
I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they chose the consultancy team. Did they like put all of you guys in the big role and then decide on who the, <laughs> the best were? No, no, it was a very fair uh, application and interview process. <laughs> but they are like, they're a great team. So you've got, um, I don't know everyone that's involved with the consultancy, but like Nikki Sullivan, who's on Twitter and she's a, a big podcast fan. She, um, she's part of that team. And now Matt Stone is working for them. So he'll be part of that team as well. And, you know, they're really good people who really know their onions. Nice. I mean, onions. He mm. just reminded me I need to speak to Matt about being on the podcast because we spoke at Research at Comrie. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's it, excellent. It's been extremely busy since then. I'll, I'll reach out to him soon and uh, sort that out. Yeah, no, I mean that sounds fantastic. Um and yeah, Nikki seems to listen to more podcasts than I do. And I think I listen oh, to quite God, a lot. I know. <laughs> she's, yeah, so that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic way to engage with your professional development. Have you any final advice for anyone who's trying to develop the professional development culture in their school and feeling mm. enthused having listened to this episode? I, I'm sure I can think of things and I made some notes. So, you know, if you're one of the people on Spotify watching and I look to the side, that's why. Because I want to get this bit right. Um, so I I know I've said this before and I know that Lloyd, I was going to call him Lloyd William Jones to annoy him, but Lloyd Williams Jones <laughs> has said this too. You need to go slowly. You have to slow down to be able to get the the progress that you want to get. Um, you know, to shift culture is a really big project. It's like school improvement. There, there are no overnight wins. There are no quick fixes. There are no kind of silver bullets. You just have to do the work. So I think go slowly, have a plan, uh, but be flexible with it, you know, don't stick to your plan too rigidly because it might be to your detriment. Seek advice from others. Don't do it alone because there's a lot of experience and expertise out there. Um, get a team of early adopters who will champion that work with you and, and share the message to people. Uh, I think keep coming back to the fact that effective teaching matters. You know, I said it earlier on, we can see it in the research. It's not rocket science that effective teaching matters. Um, we should want to be the most effective teacher that we can. And actually, you mentioned Stuart Climber earlier, and he said this at a researcher, didn't he, that a great teacher is one who wants to do whatever it takes to be demonstrably better or more effective than they were this year. No, than they were last year, than this year, whatever those words are. I mean, you've done a really good job of remembering almost all of that. Yeah, demonstrably different, <laughs> better next year than this year. Yeah, you know, than this along, year. Along those lines, yeah. Thank you. Um, but that, you know, that I think is a, an excellent piece of advice, you know, and it, it's a, it's an easy kind of ethos to live by. Um, I think I said it earlier on, focus on the learning problems. Don't pick something that looks exciting or fun just because it looks exciting or fun. Make sure it is actually serving a purpose. And um, I think I've heard other people like Sarah Cottingham has said that before. You can't just pick something because it's new. You need to pick it because it has a, a purpose to serve. It has a, a problem to solve to do with learning. Um, don't scrimp on training because you can never say that message too many times. Communicate it as, as often and as clearly as you can because 
teachers are very busy people and we will forget things so we need it to be revisited much like our students do and I think also just like have high expectations for where it, where, where it's going and what you're doing but don't be disheartened by a couple of naysayers or people who challenge you one because some people just like to be a bit contrary and two because it's the the people who challenge you make you think more and make you clarify why you're doing it and that's probably some of those people who have questioned me and challenged me this year and last year are you know they've probably helped me more than the people who've just said yes so kind of you know embrace that challenge if you do get it and I think just enjoy it because it's like I can feel the difference like I said earlier on you feel the difference walking around you feel the difference when you talk to children and when you watch lessons so it's it's a it's a worthwhile piece of work to do wonderful advice I mean I certainly whenever I get heckled during my talks try to tell myself that it's making me refine my thinking and um, but I think yeah anyone who's taking that step or considering how they're leading and developing culture across the school will be really well served not just by that final piece of advice but by uh, by this whole episode it's been an absolute pleasure Shana so all I have to do is say thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me back and to everyone at home until next time thanks for listening